Well, good morning, LWC family. Again, we just uh, want to thank those that are watching online. Um, we've been talking about stewardship and generosity for the last two weeks. We're in our R1K campaign, and R1K stands for Reach 1,000 People for Jesus, people that are far away from God. Uh, I, I believe that God wants us to reach them with the a, with a great news, the gospel, that Jesus is the answer for the dilemma that we have uh, in, in the world. And uh, when you start talking about generosity and you start talking about, about uh, stewardship in church, uh, I know it's difficult for me because I never want for the church to have a stigma of asking for money all the time. And uh, that's when, why when I, we started the series, I, I, I mentioned that there are two things that the world is always talking about and the church, when they talk about it, uh, you get this reaction from, from church people and unchurched people. And the two subjects are what we're talking about right now is money. Um, the world is always talking about money. And uh, Walmart never says to, to you, I don't want your money. They, they usually are saying, we have a sale for you. Just come on Black Friday or whatever. And then the other subject that, that, the, that the world's always talking about and the church, when you talk about it, uh, especially in a healthy way, uh, you, you, you have this uncomfortableness, but it's so vital that people really learn what this subject is about from a biblical perspective, and that's sex, sex or sexual intimacy. And so we won't be talking about sex uh, this week, uh, but we will be talking about it uh, in, the, in the new year. But I won't tell you the date, but we'll talk about it. Uh, because... <laughs> Just, I'll, I'll be inviting you because the reality is we need to know what God has to say about, about those subjects. And when we talk about generosity, when we talk about finances, uh, I've said this every, every sermon for the last two weeks, uh, it doesn't matter what, what Pastor James has to say about generosity or finances, but it does matter what God has to say. Amen? And we want to teach and, uh, and disciple people God's way. And we want to grow in our uh, generosity and in our finances because that's who God is. His character is that he's a very generous God. Everything that we have is a gift from him. him. And so uh, if you have not seen the, the last two messages, I would, I would say, uh, you know, encourage you to go online and, and watch those because they, they, they're kind of building blocks to where we're going Today, uh, there were two themes that we talked about in the last two messages. The first one is trust. God has entrusted us with everything that we have. Uh, and with that trust, uh, we, we handle uh, things, whether they're material blessings or immaterial blessings, our time and our talent. We handle that uh, with a mindset that this is a gift from God. So there's a trust factor that has to do with our, our stewardship, how we handle our, our finances. And the second thing, when we, uh, when we look at generosity that is, uh, is important, is consistency. Good habits are formed when you are consistent. Amen? And I have a very uh, uh, good habit of desiring to be in shape, right? 
But I mentioned at the end of the year, my shape goes from, you know, one place to round, you know, in the midsection. But I'm always thinking I need to get back walking. I need to get back exercising. So that's why I mentioned to you, if, you're, if your eating has kind of gotten out of control during the Thanksgiving holiday, my wife says that to me, babe, you're out of control. I said, I know, babe, but it's just so hard with all this good food. We will get back in control with good habits. And, and that's what consistency is all about. It's, it's the same with generosity. And we see that God gives us directives on how we, how we do that, how we bring uh, the first fruits to him. And it's, 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 a, it's a real blessing. But I, I think about, you know, uh, stewardship like a stool. Have you ever seen those three-legged stools? And you, you sit in, in that stool, it, it's, it's very, uh, it, it's sturdy, it helps us to, to rest. And so let's think about generosity that way. Uh, so the first two legs that we, that we sit on are trust and consistency, but the third leg is vital as well, it's grace. And when I think about giving, I always think about giving as grace giving. I don't have to give because Jesus paid it all, Amen. There, there's nothing that I have to do to earn my, my uh, status with God. That's already been settled on the cross. Jesus said it is finished. So every aspect of my walk has already been established through the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. But his grace, his grace has been bestowed on me in every aspect of my life, whether that's my generosity or my, uh, my talent, my gifting. He's gifted me. He's graced me with, uh, with a, an ability to make a difference in my world. And so the way, when I use that, it, it, it's beautiful. My time is grace. In fact, this breath that I'm taking right now, that's a gift from God. And when you think about it that way, you think everything has been given to me by God for God so loved the world that he gave, right, his only son so that anyone who will believe in him, not, not have to work for him, but believe in him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. And then the hinge to that is the next verse. God didn't send his son to this world to condemn the world or to judge the world, but that through the son, the world would be saved. Now that's grace. Now that's the third leg of our generosity and, and our stewardship. If we, if, we can, if we can think about when we, uh, the way we handle our money, that it's, that it's uh, trust. And, and let's just kind of revisit the first message. You know, when you leave a, a um, legacy or, a, or an inheritance to, the, to your loved ones, you usually will leave it in a what? In a trust. And our forefathers, when they, when they minted the first currency, they, they put on, the, on your dollar bill or, or your, your, your coin, it says, in God we, we trust, right? So that's important for us. Trust is vital. And then consistency is vital as well. And, but we, all of this is held together with grace. And I want to go to a, a New Testament passage. And I'm going to give you homework because... Chapter 8 and chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians are the go-to, my go-to when I think about New Testament giving. So for those of you that are maybe watching online or those of you that are here, 
that you're, you're, you're hearing Old Testament, New Testament. So the Old Testament is before Jesus came to the earth. New Testament is after Jesus came to the earth. And it, things change when Jesus came. So the way that we look at everything in our life changed through Jesus. And so when you look at New Testament giving, that's how I would apply my generosity to, to everything that I do and everything that I give. So 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul, is uh, receiving an offering for uh, some hardship going on in Judea and especially Jerusalem. There was a famine that came across the land, and they were very needy of, of some financial help. And so Paul goes around to all the churches, and he's, and he's uh, asking or allowing people to, to or inviting, that's a, that's a better word, inviting the people of God to participate, to help, and make a difference for the glory of God. And so as we read this, that's exactly what we're going to be seeing. There's a, there's a church that he's writing to, the Corinthian church, okay? And he's using another church as an example, the Macedonian church, okay? And as he's, as he's saying, look at the Macedonians, but you, Corinthians, you were the first to say, I want to be a part of this. I want to give to the work of God. And, and so he says, I thank you that, that, that you want to give, but let me show you how the Macedonians did it. And it, it helps me and it helps us in modern times. How do we approach uh, generosity. It's, it's a perfect example of, of how we do that. Okay, so chapter 8, verse 1, it starts out like this. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. Now, now who, did, who did the work right there? God, right? God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They, the Macedonians, are being tested by many troubles. Let's just pause right there. Is there any trouble going on in our world, in our lives? Not, not first service, but second service. They have a lot of troubles, right? So we're, they, they are being tested by many troubles. That fits in with us. And they are very poor, Right? So, so their, their financial status was not like probably the Corinthian church who had maybe more of an affluent uh, church. But they, they being the Macedonians, are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich, in rich what? Generosity. That's important for us to take away. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. Grace. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. We're going to stop there, uh, and we're, we will pick out some, some, some uh, verses from the later part of this, of this narrative, and, but there's so much rich text there. There's so much abundant text. It's a pregnant passage when it comes to generosity. If you, if you look at the New American Standard Bible, which is more of a literal translation, in verse 1, it says this, brothers and sisters, we make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches. 
So it's God's grace that leads us to give and to be a blessing. Tell your neighbor that. It's God's grace that, that leads us to give and to be a blessing. Every time that I'm a blessing, it's because of God's grace. Every time that I give, it's because of God's grace. Everything I have is because of him. I, I've come to realize that I would not have nothing without God. And, and without God, everything has me. Greed can have me, uh, uh, materialism can have me, pride can have me. But if God has me, if I have God, then everything belongs to him. His grace is abundant. It never depletes and it never runs out. The, the apostle Paul wrote in another place, he's talking about how, how he, was, he was the least of all the apostles uh, he, he, he really didn't have a, a place to stand with them uh, because he persecuted the church. He was one that was wanting to destroy the church before he ever met Jesus on the way to Damascus. And how many of us have walked uh, independently of God for years and then God came into our lives and he changed our course. He changed our path. He brought us back to him. But Paul, in, in, in the first letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, said this in, in verse 10 of chapter 15, by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's important for you because you're special to God. Did you know that? If you're, if you're watching online, you are special to God. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. He's talking about the other apostles Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So grace is a motivator. Grace moves us into action. The, the law, we talked about the law last week. The law tells us what we should do. The grace of God working through the power of the Holy Spirit empowers us to do it. Because we can't keep the law. You can't even keep the speed limit. But by the grace of God, <laughs> they give you three or four miles over. Amen? And so, so we see that the grace is a motivator. Grace empowers us to do the things that we're called to do, especially when it comes to our monetary blessings. So I want to I wanna bring five, five um, uh, kind of uh, lenses of how we can see grace giving and how important it is. The first thing is grace giving is purposeful. In other words, it's full of purpose. Nobody wants to give to, to something that doesn't have a purpose. Amen? Think about it. Who, who wants to give to something where, where money just sits at a place or, or, or money is misused or abused? Who wants to give to that? No one should. But the Macedonian believers, they, they knew that, the, that, that what they were given to had purpose. There was a need and that, that, that monetary blessing that they were going to give to. And it's hard work. It's hard earned. When, when you're giving of your monetary uh, uh, substance, you're giving something that was hard to, to, to make. That's why people have a hard time giving. It's, be, it's because you've worked hard to make the money you've made. And I get it. 
You, you've gone to school to educate yourself so that you can be in the position that you're at. I get it. The Macedonians understood that as well. They, they were in the same place, right? But, but they, there was a purpose. And if you look again at, at uh, 1 Corinthians now chapter 16, verse 1 and 2, you'll see the purpose for what they were going to be giving to. Here's what Paul says in that part. He says, now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem. They're, they're giving us a, a very clear understanding of what that money was going to be used for. You should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, that Sunday, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. He's saying every Sunday when you come together, when they take an offering or whatever method they were using here at Living Word Chapel, we use gift boxes. We don't even pass out uh, 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 an offering plate. We just trust the Lord that, you, that people that love the Lord and his purposes are going to give every week. And by faith, we believe that God's going to meet the needs that we have, that our lights are going to stay on, that, that the things that, that God is having us do in our communities that they're going to be done for his glory and that people are going to be generous. That's exactly what the Macedonians were, were, they were thinking. There's a need for the people in Jerusalem and we want to be a part of meeting that need. Our R1K, Reach 1000 People, it, it includes reaching families. Can I tell you that our families are in trouble in the United States of America? Can I tell you that the biggest investment we can make is into our children? If we don't get our children and we don't turn the course of where they're going, the enemy, the devil himself, is going to do what he can to destroy their lives and lead them away from God. And so our after-school program has this in, in, in place. It has this, this, this mission that they're going to be honorable Americans who love God. That we're going we're gonna to take them back into things that were important at one time, like, like respecting people, like walking in grace, like understanding what their God-given purpose is in their life. They're not hearing this other places, beloved. My grandson has been staying with us, and, and, and our, our kids and our grandkids, and even us as adults, we're, we're mesmerized by this device right here. Did you know that? And, and so most of the time, they're on the device, and they're, they're, they're watching. And I love this device. It's wonderful. You can use it for your Bible app. You can really, you can use it for a lot of different things, emails. But it can also lead you down a road that will take you away from God. And so he was watching something, and I, I, I always want to be, I want to see what he's watching, some kids' program. But in that program, they, uh, they, they, they said true or false, and then they brought the, the, the Ouija board, the Ouija board on. Now, innocently... Innocently, they were saying, is this true or false? And when I saw that, I said, I said, Stephen, you need to know that that right there is very, very, very wrong. Very bad. That, they're actually calling demons when you play with that game right there. And it, it, it will take you down a path that you don't want to go to. Okay, Grandpa, I don't want anything to do with that. But, but, but hear me now. This is important. There's got to be education that takes place. See, our kids have to be educated God's way. This has to be the guide. So, so when we give like, to this after-school program that we're talking about funding, right, 
we want to do it in a way that we don't have any outside influence where we can influence our children in our communities through the gospel, through the word of God, without anyone telling us how we should influence them or any other agenda coming forth. So the, the, the Macedonians, they understood that there was purpose behind what they were going to give, and they were very, very eager to give to the work of God. See, the church exists to make a difference in our world for the glory of God. And generosity empowers us to make a life change for it to happen for his glory. I'm a product of grace giving because when I walked in the doors of, of this church, and, and some of you don't know this, but I was not a Christian before I came to Living Word Chapel 30 years ago. And I walked in the doors and I thought the people at this church were nuts. <laughs> they were too happy. They were too excited. I, and I, honestly, I thought to myself, they have to have a keg of beer somewhere. <laughs> I'll drink to that, by the way. Because they were just too happy. But I wanted that. My life was a mess. And through their generosity, I was able to come to church. I gave my life to Jesus. God saved my soul. He transformed my life. He healed my hurts. He restored my marriage. And it was all by the grace of God that was shown in Jesus Christ and the people that were investing in the church. Let me tell you something. When life change is happening, God is in it. When you give to the work of God, God is in it. It also safeguards us from materialism. United States of America is a very rich country. But we don't understand where it comes from. Or we're losing that. And, and I said it uh, the first message. I'm going to say it again. We, we, we're having a generation... That, that think that they're entitled. It's an entitlement generation where everyone thinks everything should be given to us. The reason we have what we have in this wonderful, amazing country is because people have worked hard. They've died for the privileges and the blessings that we have right now. Rick Warren, who, who wrote, uh, you know, The Purpose Driven Life and um, just a wonderful man of God, he said this, the only antidote to materialism is giving because materialism's all about getting. But every time I give, my heart grows bigger. Every time I give, I become more like Jesus. And God wants for our hearts to increase. He wants for our lives to reveal the goodness of Jesus. When we give, it's also noticeable and measurable. Did you know that? You should be able to see where your money's going. I, I talked to my neighbor who was here second service last week, and he, you know, he's been coming to church, and God saved him. It's an amazing story. I'll have him share it one of these days. He came last week, and he brought his sister from California, and I talked to him after, after, uh, yesterday, in fact, and I said, bro, I, I hope you're okay. I talked about giving. He said, oh, I learned so much. And my sister, she hasn't been to church, and she said, and she was just blown away at the things that she learned. Generosity, God's way, is a very good thing. Greed is the devil's way. It's the flesh's way. It's the world's way that everything belongs to you. God didn't call us to be stingy, and he didn't call us to be in debt. 
And that's why we're intentional at Living Word Chapel to provide on-ramps, especially as we go into the new year. There will be some on-ramps that we'll provide. One of them will be trained budget coaches, where we've been talking to individuals that, that are trained coaches that will help you with a budget. That's one of the things that in my, one of my conversations this week, I said to someone, do you, they were you know, talking about the generosity uh, series and stewardship series, and, and I said, do you, do you have a budget? And they said, what's a budget? <laughs> we, we, we laugh about it, but, but we really shouldn't laugh about it because this is important. Not everyone knows what a budget is. Just like not everyone knows what John 3.16 says. Right? See, Christians, we, we, we have to have a, or let's put it another way, Christ followers, we need to have another way of looking at things that we have a generation that don't know. And either we're going to teach them or we're going to lose them. So if you're here and, and you, you don't have a budget in, in, the, in the new year, that'd be a great place to start. Because a budget, you tell your money where to go. Without a budget, your money tells you where you're going. And you usually do very sporadic spending that, that, that it doesn't help us. We're also going to have financial small groups, and uh, we're just going to seek the Lord for, for his wisdom so that we can make people better. Amen? God doesn't want your money. God wants your, your heart. Right? So here's the second lens of grace giving. Grace giving is always joyful. It's always joyful. Paul said, they are also filled with an abundant joy, which has overflowed in their rich generosity. And it's one of the most beautiful statements in the New Testament. That people can actually be filled with joy when they're giving. Jesus said it's, it's, it's more blessed to give than to receive. For God loves a what? Cheerful giver. Somehow that's hinged together that when we're giving, there's joy that's produced in our life. That dopamine, that chemical that, that brings joy and happiness is produced in your body when you're giving and being a blessing. God, I love this, um, the, the Macedonians, they, they were just following what God was leading them to do. They never knew that they were going to be written in the scriptures. Think about it. They were going to be an example for generations. We're still talking about them today. And, and can I tell you something? That when you're generous, that you make a difference in people's lives. You make a difference in a ministry. You make a difference in a, in a, uh, in a community. And people notice and people will say, we would not be where we're at. We would not have what we have if it wasn't for them. You know where the glory goes? To God. Amen. When we went out and served our, our cities, we went to San Manuel. We were here in Oracle. We were in Kearney. People are still talking about that. In San Manuel, you know, who funded that? Living Word Chapel, by the grace of God, we were able to buy the paint, buy the wooden benches. In Kearney, we bought the paint for that, for that community park. We, did, we, took our, we took our paint sprayers over there. And the hands that did that, it, it, it brings joy to, to, to me. It should bring joy to us that we're able to make a difference for the glory 
of God. And see, what, see we make Jesus famous in that way. Um, Billy Graham, one of my heroes, put it like this. If a person gets his attitude uh, toward money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. Do you believe that? Maybe uh, you're watching online or you're here today and the thought of generosity troubles you. Maybe you check out when you start talking about, about giving. Um, I, I want you to consider bringing your attitude to the Lord, uh, bring it before him and, and let him begin to work in your heart because sometimes that's a heart problem. Amen? The only time we struggle with generosity and being generous is whenever we're not generous. Because when we're generous, it's easy to talk about. We understand that everything comes from God and, and we, we're able to be a blessing to people. The Macedonians understood that. Here's the third, third uh, lens right here. Uh, grace giving is sacrificial. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, present your bodies, your whole bodies, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing when people stretch themselves with generosity. When we go beyond, you know, what, what's, com what's comfortable for us and, and we go and we do things that stretch us because when we do that, it's actually a step of faith. This is what uh, verse two and three says. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. But I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but they gave far more. And, and here's what I've come to find out with, with my walk with God. And, and some of you are here and some of you maybe are not here yet. But what I've come to find out with God is that you can never outgive God. And God will never abuse our finances. God, God doesn't want you to give foolishly. God doesn't want you to give under pressure. God doesn't want you to give under manipulation. I pray that that will never be anything that comes out of this, this platform right here, this pulpit, that you'll always know that it comes from God, that we're giving unto him and unto his work. But sometimes we sacrifice. Sometimes we give a little bit more than what we, we thought we could, and, and God will measure that grace to us so that we're able to make a difference for his glory. I think about it this way. It's never equal giving, but it's always equal sacrifice. Are you with me? What, what does that mean? All of us don't earn the same. We'll never give the same, but we can all sacrifice for the glory of God. When that, when that widow came to the temple and, and, and she, was, she was giving, and Jesus was looking at everything that they were, everyone was giving, and she comes and she gives two Two small coins, two mites. And Jesus says, she gave more than everybody. She gave all that she had. She didn't give more money than everybody, but her heart was right, and she gave what she had for the glory of God. Now, this is important. Do you think that God met her for doing that? Here's what I know for sure. God will meet you and exceed that if you're a blessing. He will give you what you need for today and for tomorrow. Here's the fourth lens that grace giving is always voluntarily. It's always voluntary giving. You don't have to give. We don't pay our tithe. We give 
our giving. We give our tithe. We give our offering. We give whatever we're going to do to the Lord. Verse, verse uh, 3, end of verse 3 and 4. They did it of their own free will. And they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing. I love that. They, 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 they gave out of their own volition. And not only did they give out of their own volition, but they begged us. Paul says these Macedonians, they begged us. We want to give. We want to give more. We want to be a blessing to these, these believers in, in, in Jerusalem because it's purposeful giving. It's going to make a difference. And how many of us beg, hey, I, I beg you, uh, uh, elders, I beg you so that we can give. Where's that giving box? That's exactly what it says right there. Blessed is a man and woman who give to God without feeling pressured. I love that. In verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 8, it says this. I'm not commanding you to do this. Paul says, it's not a command. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. So when I, when I read that, when I, when I look at that principle, I see this, that our generosity is measurable and observable. Amen? I can, I can tell you how generous we are at Living Word Chapel very easily. How do, how, do we, how do we know that? We go to our accounting department and we ask them, how much has come in? Every year when we give a financial report, we, we see how generous we are. Amen? It's measurable and observable. And so what's happening right here, it's voluntary as well. You don't have to give. You're blessed to be able to give back to the work of God. And everything that we do for the Lord, everything that we do is noticed, and he will never put pressure on us because Jesus paid it all. It's all been paid so we give out of this grace and this wonderful thing. Now, the, the, the fifth one, and I'm done with, with, uh, with this sermon after this fifth lens, but it's a wonderful lens. Grace giving is always big picture giving. It's always big picture giving. And what does that mean? That means that when you give, it's more than just, it's more than just for one cause. That cause expands itself. It's more than just for one family member. Here's what you need to know. I talked about myself as an example. Someone gave to the work of God at Living Word Chapel. James Reese went to a place where they were meeting at because they were building this church, this, this campus right here. I went there to the Seventh-day Adventist church. They were meeting there on Sundays because the Adventists meet on Saturdays. They were renting the building. People were, were giving of their, of their generosity so that the church could move forward. I walked in the doors. I already said what I, what I thought. They've got to be drinking something. But then I found out what they were drinking, and what they were drinking was Jesus. So I started drinking a little bit of Jesus. Best, it's the best thing I've ever drank, the living water of God. I'm still drinking it today. Huh? I don't drink the crown royal. I, I go for the royal crown. Amen? <laughs> And so, so as, we're, as we're looking at all this, and, 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 but here's the reality, but they didn't know this. My family was in turmoil. My marriage was in shambles. I connected because I thought this is my only hope is in God, and I gave my life to Jesus. 
I was the first born-again believer in my whole family. Generation after generation. Now, not done. Big picture. Every one of my dad's siblings now has a born-again believer. And the majority of them have been led to Jesus by me and Orshana. It's not done there. It's not done there. Their kids are now walking with Jesus. It's not done there. Their friends have been impacted for the glory of God. Some of my friends and family now lead Bible studies that have 50, 60 people. Some, one of them leads an online study on Facebook, and they've got hundreds of people that are on that Bible study. Big picture. Do not limit the power of God. Your generosity given for the glory of God will do bigger things that you could ever imagine. Next week is the most important message that I'll preach from this series. And the whole thrust of next week has, has to do with this. It has to do with this. It has to do. Every number has a name. Let's think about a thousand people. Every number has a name. Every name has a story. And every story matters to Jesus Christ. I'm a number. I was one of the tens or thousands, millions that came to Jesus at one time. He knew that. He knows the exact number. But that number has a name. And his name is James Reese. And James Reese had a story. And Jesus cared about my story. He cared about where I was at. He cared about my depression. He cared about my, my waywardness. He cared about my womanizing. He cared about all that. And he completely transformed my life for his glory because that's what God does best. Verse 5 says, they even did more than we had hoped because their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and then to us, just as God wanted them to do. Here's our takeaway. God doesn't care about your money as much as he cares about you. Our money's secondary. But once you give you to him, everything begins to change. Everything begins to change. What you watch on television begins to change. What you, what you talk about begins to change. The way, that you, the way that you talk to your spouse begins to change. The things that you pour into your kids and your grandkids, they begin to change. He wants you. And when that happens, you become generous. Because you understand that without God, we have nothing. Without Jesus, we're lost. Without Jesus, it doesn't matter how much money we have, we're poor. But with Jesus, we're the richest people you could ever, ever meet. That's who God is to us. Maybe you're here today and you've never... You've never really committed your life to Jesus. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe you even raised in a family where they talked about God and they, they went to church and they followed God, but you, you've never done that. You've never said, Jesus, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my life to you. I'm gonna sell out for you. I'm gonna just live for you. Maybe today is your day. Maybe the, the invitation that's, that's here 
is here for you. It's for you to say yes to Jesus, to allow him to become the greatest part of your life. And I want you to pray this prayer. If that's you, if you're online, I want you to pray this prayer. It's a simple, simple prayer. It's just God, I need you. I'm tired of trying to do life on my own. Lord, I admit, I'm a, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've tried to do life on my own. But today I believe that Jesus, you are the savior of the world. I believe that you went to the cross at Calvary and died for all of my sins. I also believe that you rose from the dead on the third day, just like the Bible said you would. And so today I confess you as my Lord. Just, just say that if that's you. I, Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and I choose to follow you from this day forward. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, do me a big favor, just looking at me, and this is between you and God, but if you prayed that prayer and meant that prayer, just raise your hand and say, that's me, amen. Beautiful. Amen, I see those. That's beautiful. You're saying, Jesus, I need you. And so for those six or seven people that said yes to Jesus, guess what's happening right now? You know, they, 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 have, a, they have music playing in heaven, right? They just took the hymns out right there, and they, they're going to put a cumbia in there, you know. And they're doing some salsa for Jesus because they're rejoicing in heaven, but we're rejoicing on earth right now as well. So we want to just applaud you for being strong and saying yes. Yeah. God is good. God is good. So let's stand up and, uh, and worship our king. And remember, next week's going to be the, the best sermon not the best sermon because I'm preaching it, but it's going to be the best one of this series because we're going to talk about why we invest into the kingdom of God.